Hello Woodworms, I'm Ray Defterius and this is the Hand Toolbook Review, the podcast for people who love woodwork and love reading about woodworking too. So after our discussion last week on American Canopy, perhaps you're digging around for another historical book, or perhaps you're a resident in the wider New York area and are interested in the history of this state. Maybe you're hoping I could recommend another book, like The Joiner and the Cabinet Maker. Well, unfortunately, I can't help you with the joiner and cabinet maker equivalent, but nonetheless, a rural carpenter's world, the craft in a 19th century New York township by Wayne Franklin, is an important, if a somewhat dry book. The book is part of the University of Iowa Press's American Land and Life series, and I think the origin of this book at a university is one of the reasons that the book falls short in terms of sheer readability of books such as The Village Carpenter or The Wheelwright's Shop. At the same time, for serious scholars and historians, this book is an incredible resource, because of the work that the author did in ensuring the veracity of the information within it. I believe that in many ways this might be the high point of the type of historical record from primary sources to do with woodworking. Unfortunately, for my tastes, while it wins on information, the book loses on readability and extrapolation. If I compare it to the book closest to it, The Artisan of Ipswich, it feels like the information that The Artisan of Ipswich included as appendices that support and validate the narrative. In this book, they are really the entire focus of the book. And that unfortunately means that there's no equivalent of the beautiful chapter about Thomas Dennison walking through the woods. Another good comparison might be Eric Sloan's wonderful A Diary of an Early American Boy. And again, where Eric wrote a beautiful story that feels more real because of his extrapolation from the bare facts. A rural carpenter's world in some ways feels less real because it is solely based on facts. It's an interesting irony. But there are elements to enjoy in the book, and I don't want you, the listeners, to write this off completely without understanding what it is about. I don't regret reading it, but given that you'll have to spend somewhere between $20 and $30 on the second-hand market, I'd suggest that you might want to consider this closely. If you don't already have some of the other books I've mentioned here, perhaps your money is better spent in that direction. Anyway, let's jump into the book and what it's all about. You certainly can't fault the author for scope. Having come into possession of a carpenter's diary for the year 1869, the diary of James Holmes, the author presents not only the complete text of the diary, but then continues to provide a narrative about the year in question. He investigates the people involved and extrapolates this into the major trends in carpentry in the 19th century, and this has a lot of specific references to records and primary source documents. Ultimately, you can trace the history of over 50 carpenters in the book, as well as information on many of James's relatives and townsfolk. This book must have been a monumental task to complete, and my mind boggles at the sheer slog it must have been to assimilate so many diverse and incomplete records into what is ultimately a thorough historical record assembled from a multitude of sources. There's an analogy near the beginning of what it would be like to pick up a single shaving from your workshop floor and then to extrapolate this back to the board, the tree, the work methods, maybe even the forest. And I think it's a good comparison 
to a piece of work that started from brief notations about how work was progressing on a handful of houses over the course of the year. The diary was purchased by James Holmes to record his work. Perhaps, well aware of the volume of work he had to do in that particularly busy year, he wanted to make sure nothing was forgotten. Perhaps there were other, as yet undiscovered diaries. But for whatever reason, this single book forms the kickoff point for the book proper. However, before we jump into the diary, the author gives a description of James's world. We are introduced to the town of Westford, Ochego County, New York, a hilly and remote part of the county. There are maps, pictures, and a description of the geography and challenges faced by the town. There's lots of facts and figures, things like acreage and farming production, and these give you a good sense of the dual nature of farmer-carpenter, or carpenter-farmer if you will. It is clear once you've read the book that this was not always a permanent career choice, and that those who were skilled in carpentry were often forced to move to find employment. And yet at the same time, in a small village, there was opportunity for those who had the skills. So for example, in this year, major construction work was conducted on a half dozen or so houses. There are pieces of information like census entries and butter sales. Butter was a major cash crop. Information about significant personalities, including Holmes's helpers. And as I guess was typical for this size town at that time in history, the nature of work, payment and relationships is very different from contemporary society. So I think the author must have worked some miracles to make sense of the financials of the year, which include paid for work, unpaid but accrued work, work done in lieu of wages, wages that were sometimes paid, wages that were sometimes paid in stock, wages that were sometimes paid to someone who was living close by or a relative. Probably not unusual for the times, but I'm sure it was quite something to try and reconstruct this and make sense of things like day rates and what was available from mangled records. The book has a poignancy throughout that I think must be even more severe for anyone familiar with the area. There are plenty of black and white photos, some like today of gravestones, and some taken around the time of the book, or shortly thereafter. The diary's complete text is presented, and the author suggests that a reader can ferret out some patterns in the book. It's not something I was able to do easily, and I'll read a few days here from November to give you a sense of the diary entries. Monday the 1st. Worked for Ashley one day on pantry shelves and cupboard. Revilo Holmes commenced our school for $2.50 per day and board to be provided by myself. Tuesday the 2nd. Worked for Ashley one day on pantry and base. Received of J.B. Skinner 10. Paid F.P. Draper $5. Paid W.H. Tyler $5. Received bill from Barnes & Fox. $158.20. Wednesday the 3rd. Worked for Ashley one day. Put down all the base in the chamber. Fine day. The 4th. At Ashley's 9 hours. Town board met and did bounty claims. $312 due to me. The 5th. At Ashley's 9.5 hours. The 6th. At Ashley's one day finished. The 7th. At home. I think you get the picture. The third chapter, thankfully a narrative chapter, is 23 pages long and covers the major houses that James worked on in the year 1869. There are all the details that are interspersed in the diary, brought together, collated, given context, and explained. This was a good chapter, and it was supplemented by a lot of photos that gave you a real sense of what was accomplished during this period. For example, 
seeing a modern picture of the William Ashley House, with the pavement and TV aerial clearly visible, but also showing an old gracious house that was the subject of work one and a half centuries ago. It's quite special. At this point, some hundred pages into the book, the book begins to explore the context of the diary and the narrative of the work just described. This text is decidedly drier and has lots of statistics from lots of years. There are tables of population, produce, occupations, etc. And while this does substantiate the author's interpretations in the text, it's a more difficult read. I enjoyed the bits where the author interprets his findings, but in a lot of ways I wish all the data had been stripped from the text and presented as appendices. Reading nearly a page in one case that was little more than statistics for the years written up in a narrative form was not conducive to me enjoying or continuing to be engaged with the text. There's an interesting comparison of the different towns in the area, some benefiting greatly from the new railroad and some being left out. It's interesting, but the story is buried in a lot of facts and figures. The following chapter, which details the carpenters of Westford, begins in a more promising vein and I like the timelines which show who was actively working in the area over a 50-year period. A little bit less dry than the preceding chapter, but unfortunately this early promise, exploring the meaning behind the numbers, again devolves into the author's conclusion that are heavy with figures and light on narrative. However, just as you might be tempted to put the book aside, we had a section at around the 150-page mark called A Turn Towards Biography, and this section, which briefly tells the story of some notable carpenters, was a lot more enjoyable to read, and you got a real sense of the characters involved. At just under the 200-page mark, we have reached the author's conclusion about the role of skill as a carpenter versus social ties to an area, and we're at the appendices. These are excellent for researchers, as you would expect, and have everything in them from entries for all the family members of James Holmes, as well as notable people in the village, and details of all the carpenters in question. I think this part of the work will stand future scholars in good stead, and the footnotes that follow certainly will assist more professional researchers with valuable information and references. Unfortunately, while I conclude that this book is an important work, it is not one that I enjoyed particularly. Sure, there were snippets of interest, some pieces about the people that engaged me, but I could not help but wonder what this book would have been like if Robert Turul had written it. Perhaps then, we would have had James Holmes walking to work in a way that we could have understood and identified with. So in conclusion, A Rural Carpenter's World is 289 pages long, and it's written by Wayne Franklin. You can find the book reasonably easily second-hand, and as at February 2021, it costs between $20 and $30. A while back I gave the village carpenter a 7, Hans employed a writer 8.5, and the joiner and cabinet maker an 8 out of 10 in the category historical. If you're looking for a scholarly text with information, facts and figures, this book does an excellent job, and you'd probably rate it higher than I'm going to. However, for the woodworker, curious about the past, the book falls short in terms of interpretation and personal presentation. I guess I'm not suggesting that the author should have written a fiction novel based on the book. But books such as The Diary of an Early American Boy show how facts and figures can be made into a wonderful and accessible end product. For that reason I'm giving the book a 5 out of 10 in the category historical. I briefly contemplated giving it a 6, but I feel that this rating would have been misleading and because it would only have suggested a slight difference between this book 
and the aforementioned books, which I think are significantly better investments. One last thing, I did love the image on the front cover of the carpenter using the reflection in a saw plate to scribe a perpendicular line. And there's a real poignancy to the story of James's grandson Jim, who searched and ultimately succeeded in reacquiring his grandfather's secretary desk, pictured near the end of the book. I just wish there were more moments like this in the book. So that's it for now, woodworms. And remember, maybe it's time to go and do some small-scale carpentry at your house, or some farming, and keep reading. If you have any comments or suggestions, perhaps a favorite book you'd like to suggest, or one you're considering buying that you'd like to be featured on a future episode, send me an email at handlebookreview at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can find me on Patreon, and contributions will support the purchase of books for the library and future episodes. <music>